0: Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smoking
1: Nicole. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smoke and Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokingTobacco.com, and I am unfortunately not joined again by my beautiful fiancé, Smoking Nicole, or Jonathan Carney from La Florida Um uh, Both of them are otherwise located this evening with other business ventures. Uh, that they needed to be involved in, but that's okay because I'm here with our very own Mr. Scott Pierce, Executive Director of the Premium Cigar Association. Scott, welcome back to the show. Um, we, Thank you very much. It's good to be here. We also had, uh, we also have Smoking Tobacco's own Nelson DeMello with us. Um, however, right as we went live, we lost his feed, so he's trying to get back into the um, the connection for the broadcast. And when he is. When he is back, we'll we'll bring him in. But for now, Scott and I are uh, just gonna start off the show. Um, you know, thank you for being with us. Uh, you were on here with us last. Sorry, I got I'm drinking a Topo, and I got a lot of. You yeah, know, that's
2: gonna make it. That those are some pretty intense bubbles there.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of bubbles there. So I'm like, they're like hitting me right now. Of course, as I have to open the show. Um, but no, you were on last year. We had a great time. Uh, this year. I know we wanted to have you on it was a great time before also there's just there's a lot of things we could talk about it's been a big year for PCA um and I, before we even get into anything i want to say you know on the show no BS no ass kissing whatever you want to say i think all things considered you guys did a great job putting together the trade show
2: thank you very much i appreciate that
1: i know it wasn't easy I know there was a lot of moving parts. You guys had a hundred days, roughly, I think it was, to put that together. We got
2: approval on April. Yeah, yeah, we got approval on April fourth or sixth from uh, the governor's office that we could hold the show. So we had to go through and submit this whole plan way back when, when Vegas was still closed, and they told us that they would have to reassess things on June first, and we we're like, it's gonna be impossible for us to do a show when we fill when we get the notification from you guys what we have to do. So they said here here's what you have to fill out and we had to put together like this 20-page proposal about what our show was going to be and what we were going to do and we knew from the outset we weren't going to do a show where we couldn't smoke where people had to mask up the entire time and where people had to sit so far away that they were shouting out business terms to each other and also we weren't going to require our manufacturers to try to put up partitions or plexiglass or any of that other stuff so we had to submit all that and work with the governor's office and then obviously the, the facility And they came back to us, I think it was April 6th, that uh, said, yeah, go ahead. So we had from that point on to know exactly what we could do and and go from there.
1: Yeah, I know that, um, you know, in addition to the pandemic and everything that was going on with that, um, you know, there was a lot of talk last year. Well, end of last year, beginning of this year, before PCA, even before the TPE, you know, TPE had uh, moved their show up to May. Which is also in Las Vegas, different venue, but also in Las Vegas, and then of course PCA uh, being in July. A lot of talk there about those two shows being close together, how that might impact you um, and you know all of us who were there, uh, but more so uh, PCA, you know, as an organization, in terms of you know who goes, who doesn't, you know, there was there was a lot of um, manufacturers, vendors, whoever you you know you want to say, who didn't come to PCA this year for. Uh, and there was a lot of reasons why a lot of people didn't come and, you know, we can maybe get into some of that later, but you know, the biggest thing was there was a lot of people who, you know, with the, with the pandemic last year, you know, they felt, you know, Hey, we're not traveling, whether it's for safety or because, you know, they're, they're just trying to cut on costs because of last year, or, you know, maybe, maybe they, they didn't feel it was necessary because they didn't have inventory to sell and they didn't have, they couldn't open more clients. So, you know, which, which is unfortunate. Uh, for PCA and all that, but at the same time that I feel like that's really understood you know I, and I, but I spoke to some manufacturers who said, well we can only go to one and some chose to go to TPE over PCA and then you know like vice versa. So of course in an already unpredictable year you, you add that in you know with the addition of pr- prior to this, the four biggest manufacturers that already announced were out. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this year that presence was felt. Um, much smaller trade show floor than years past. Um, but, uh, you know, regardless, again, without getting too deep into the, into the trade show, uh, it, it happened. It was what I would call successful. It happened. People came. Um, and I think you guys did a good job putting it together. And, you know, I know there's some things that, you know, people are are working on all over the board on it. uh, and we can get into that later, but I just, I wanted to kind of Preview the show and kind of preface it with that, um, being a popular event. But um, other than that, let's back up a little bit. What are you smoking tonight?
2: I am smoking a Pichardo. Uh, this is a Connecticut. Uh, so this is, I took the band off. Sorry, I was lighting it. I generally will do that because I end up getting down and I don't like pulling it off. If I can take it off without lighting and, and everything else, I generally like that. Now I don't have to worry about it later. But this is the, the Pichardo right here. I can kind of show you that band. So yeah, nice and easy, smooth uh, cigar to end the night for me. I uh, I ordered some pizza for myself here to the office. I was just uh, relaxing and winding down after a day, having uh, having a couple of slices of pizza, and thought this would be a good cigar to end the night with a good coffee. So,
1: mm. absolutely, it's all about the pairing. You know, that's you gotta have that in mind. Whether you're drinking, eating with a cigar, you always have to have a good pairing. Uh, it looks like yeah. Nelson has joined back with us. Uh, but now uh, there's a little bit of freezing going on. It looks, uh, it looks like you guys are all good now. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you, Nelson. Welcome to the show. Um, I was in Skype hell Yeah. in <laughs> so I,
2: I, Skype may have put you in hell, Nelson, because I, you're pairing a cigar with what appears to be an Atkins protein shake, if I'm not mistaken.
0: <laughs> this is absolutely true. <laughs> I can't believe you just called me out on that. <laughs> wow.
1: See, Nelson? You am looking there's a first view.
2: So there you go. <laughs> Scott Scott
1: Pierce called you out live on the air. Wow. Is it, 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 well,
2: I, I, well, I gotta ask, what flavor is it?
1: It's actually, um, it's I can't
0: believe he called this. It's caramel cafe.
2: Okay, at least it's at least it's one of the coffee ones. We're, that's that's all right. If it was like a strawberry one or something like that, then I then I think it would have been a little bit iffy as far as the cigar pairing. But at least we got some coffee and caramel going.
0: Listen, I want to be in a shape that's not round. That's all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, obviously, like I said, it takes one to know one. I obviously recognize it right away because I have those in my fridge at home. So
0: there you go. Oh, there you go. I was like,
2: how? How did he know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do partake. So that's how I was able to see that right away.
1: Uh, Nelson, so uh, I would like to say guys...
2: I'm in good company then.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, what, what are you, you guys-, guys talking about? Well, you guys are getting along well. We were just getting into what we were smoking for the night. Is that a Fuente okay. you
2: got
1: there? Uh, Some grown uh, rosado. There you go. Those are good. Love these eight five eights. Love these things. Mm-hmm. Those are really good. Uh, I do. I get s- props
2: for not only knowing Adkins, but I also saw that that was a Fuente right away. Here. He
0: did. Yeah, he saw the. Well, you should know the band. I mean, correct. I know. <laughs> 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 that I
2: should know.
1: <laughs> Scott's got some eagle eyes over there. he's he's pulling everything out. Uh I myself on I'm, I'm smoking the uh, the Big Poppy Slugger Gordo XL to seven by sixty Ecuadorian Habano. You can find the cigar at twoguyscigars.com for a box price of two twenty four ninety nine. And once again that is at the number two guyscigars.com. Um Yeah, so Nelson, now that you're actually with us. Um, and you're here, and you know we're, we can get this show underway. Um, what uh you you haven't been on the show in a little while. I want to I want to just I want to grab you for a little bit before we really get underway. Uh, you've been away for a little while. Uh, you're slowly becoming a more regular contributor to the show as we you know, kind of we're moving some things around. Um, as you kind of get more involved here at Smoking Tobacco, uh, how's things been? You doing good? Uh,
0: things are great. You know, uh, like. I told you uh when we talked previously, I, I've always appreciated the opportunity. Um you know, smoking tobacco is a quickly growing uh organization and happy to be not just supporting it, but now actually be um a part of it. So that that's super cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we love having you aboard and uh it's always a good time, you know. Uh you're a fun dude and uh You get gonna... pretty good guests too. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. We get some we get some good guests. Um yeah, no, we it's always a no-brainer having you on. Uh, it's its always a good time. And, uh, you know, we uh, I know you probably have a lot of questions tonight as well. So I figured, hey, why not? Let's get you in here. Uh, so, Scott, so first things first, you know, we can kind of go back forward a little bit. You know, we lightly touched on, Nelson, I don't know how much of this you saw, but we lightly touched on this year's PCA trade show um, that, you know, most likely, Nelson, you'll be uh, with us. There next year for the the trade show next year uh, as part of our, our team, as we continue to expand and add members to our team, because um, there will be a trade show, Scott, officially. Uh, you guys told us that at the uh, first told us that at the press conference we had on that Monday, uh, during the trade show, yes, and that will be held July eighth through the twelfth, if I'm correct, right?
2: Correct. Right. Yep. Exactly. Same same week uh just moves one day obviously because of the year so yep we, our schedule will be back same bad place same bad channel
1: and uh, it'll be interesting for sure i mean you know i know that you know no matter who no matter what circle it is no matter what industry it is or whatever there's always got there's always there's always talk of a lot of things and speculations and people say things i would say it's fair to say going into pca this year there was a lot of things that came up a lot of things that were said um, obviously, the news of the Big Four not being there. There was a couple of maybe some smaller manufacturers who didn't go for similar or different reasons. What have you? Then the pandemic hits, and then there was no 2020 show, and then there's the 2021 show, and then like we said before, you had 100 days. You guys put that together. I think you guys you made it happen. It was good. It was it was a success. Um, there was there was uh, there was some good additions. There was some things that I think you know from manufacturers or. Uh, retailers or even the media that I think you guys have all gotten feedback from and that's great a little bit of a change of leadership this year Um, you know as we you know we saw that at the trade show the addition of the uh, the press conference event well I I know from the media side us in the circle that was very you know we were very happy to have that that was great just to have the opportunity to sit with all you guys ask questions kind of get into some information the show information and stuff like that I think that was takeaway. We and we learned a lot from that event, um or meeting I should say. Um but obviously, you know, we're looking to the future and uh hoping you know in twenty twenty two as we continue to move through this pandemic and everything else and the PCA show continuing to grow. Um I would say the first things first, I'm gonna put you in the hot seat. I know it's uncomfortable, but you know, there's people who are gonna ask these questions. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about PCA and its financial uh, stability going forward, and you know, kind of things that have gone on at the trade show. Uh, there was some talk about, you know, is this the last trade show ever? You know, is the trade show going to, you know, what what is your stance as as the PCA? Um, you know, what would you tell those people who are skeptical or maybe concerned about the future of PCA and and or maybe it's separated together the trade show.
2: Yeah, I think that there's kind of multiple layers to the concern as far as the, the organization in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you have a very deep concern that the organization in and of itself, um, in, in terms of its future, its viability, then uh, I would hope you would get involved ASAP and call me and, and, and try to figure out how that doesn't happen. Because uh, the amount of work that, that we do, uh, both local and federally, uh, for the defense of the industry, uh, not the least of which obviously the big thing in the news has been the tax um the tobacco tax is part of this huge infrastructure bill, but then beyond that, just the amount of different things that we've done at the States to kill taxes and the kill bans and things like that. Um, secondly, uh, you know, the concern as far as the trade show, look, I mean, I, I can easily understand that if I weren't inside the organization to kind of see how everything works and how everything's put together. Um, you know, cause it, it's not even unique to this industry. I've been to multiple events, uh, for basically groups that do put on trade shows. And so, you go through the economics and the forecasting for all those folks, and and uh, at the end of the day, I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, but even before the pandemic, there really is no substitution for face-to-face events. Um, you know, I have told this story in in various uh, venues, but I remember back when I was working in healthcare, and Stanford came to the group that I was working with at the time, asking us to produce an app as well as some other things to put on iPads that they would issue to their medical students because they said they were sick of their medical students Googling their way through medical school. So hopefully that doesn't give anybody pause to go see your doctor. But nevertheless, uh, again, there's a very big difference between Googling your way through something or reading about something or doing it even virtually like this versus being there, being hands on, meeting people, pressing the flesh, etc., and the cigar industry really is a people-to-people industry. Um, and so we think about the smoking lounges. You just even think about this show, for example. It's still people-to-people people, even though we're on screen. So I think in terms of the trade show in and of itself, I can say that, you know, um, while we had a huge loss by not having our big money-making event in 2020, um, you know, we we did everything we possibly could to make sure that this year's show was something that was a financial um, boost for us in a way that i mean look there's a lot that can go into but meaning that we were able to actually accomplish the show we were actually able to get the financial schedule back on track right every business goes through if you even as a cigar business right you're going through inventory regular per, uh, production regular purchases regular sales things like that and when that's disrupted that can throw n- you into a massive uh, degree of chaos So we're kind of back on our our, our regular schedule at this point, which helps us immensely as we're planning and budgeting right now for next year. Because we kick off January 1 with state legislative sessions, which we have to be very proactive for. And we're right right in the thick of the federal stuff right now, too. So in terms of that, um, while – and I can talk about this in more detail if you'd like. But on October 12th, the entire board is coming here for basically a strategic planning retreat, right, where we're going to dive in and and work all day on the issues in – overhaul the organization to meet tomorrow's challenges. Right. Right. And so as, as part of that, what that really means in this instance is while the trade show is important because historically this association and organization hasn't been a lobbying organization that all changed, obviously 10, 11, 12 years ago, tobacco control act, so on and so forth. So what we're really looking at is how do we now evolve the trade show to meet the business business needs of the industry for retailers, manufacturers, suppliers, and also while at the same time evolving the association to meet the demands, the advocacy demands that are never going to go away for this industry now. So that's that's kind of it. So the trade show in and of itself, it's not going to die. It's going to change. Right. So that's a really long way of saying that essentially.
1: Right. Yeah. I know it was a topic of conversation with a lot of people. You know, um, you know. Kind of right after the show when it was fresh, a lot of people talk about the show, expressing their concerns. Well, I don't know if this show is ever going to, you know, really amount to anything. I think it's on the decline, and this and that. And it's, well, it could be taken so many different ways, though. You know, I, I know that you guys are going through some changes now, and and there's obviously like a growing period. Um, you know, we we we've talked about you know the current leadership. You know, uh, this year, you know. You know since the trade show and feeling good about this leadership and you know hoping that yeah you know it means you know better things are to come and you guys continue to grow and flourish and you know and at the end of the day the biggest thing is the pca needs to survive because if not then we all shall fall um in a, in a sense well,
2: and, no and, and i think that, that i think it's probably important here the way that i have kind of taken this and and you know again i'm more than happy to talk about this but,
1: go right ahead yeah absolutely uh,
2: but I think that there's also this sense – it's really kind of interesting because on the one hand, I can have a conversation with somebody who says, look, things have to change, change, we have to change, we have to change. At the same time, in that same conversation, they talk about the trade show not coming back to the way it was, right? And so that's the problem is that they're, they're, they're comparing or trying to – they have this juxtaposition in their mind of what the trade show is now versus the big party that it used to be and feeling nostalgic about the way it used to be but also saying that we need to change. And those can't really simultaneously fit together if we're trying to hold on to this nostalgia of, of the big party that the show used to be versus how do we evolve forward because times are different now. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I've had to say is like, look, we had to cut back on a lot of stuff this year. There's no question we did, but we could have spent 500000 a million dollars more, right? And, and been in the red for this thing and put on a huge party, but that's a million dollars that we're not spending doing what we're doing right now. And- in doing all of the lobbying that we're doing and all of the advocacy that we're doing. Uh, we felt it was more important for us to put that resources towards continuing to fight for the, all of our retailers and the manufacturers on tax policy and on, on tobacco policy than to throw a party for people. And I think that we thought, you know what, we're going to do as much as we possibly can. We felt like people were happy to be back together and at the venue and, and we're just kind of happy. And, and quite frankly, most manufacturers I talk to all had record sales years at the show just by the fact of the demand and everything else, too. So in that component, I think, is what really made it successful. And I think that that underscores the point that we're talking about here is the trade show really needs to evolve in terms of it being more of that B2B aspect as opposed to the show aspect. And I think you'll see an evolution here over the next year or two as we start to get to that point of really understanding the dynamics of the needs for the industry and how we change as an association in order to meet those demands.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, Scott, because I think a lot of folks forget, um, not intentionally, but I think they forget that the PCA is much bigger than just the trade show, right? And and there's a lot of, and I, I hopefully get into some questions around the other activities um, that the PCA takes on, but, you know, you you said the word evolve and that's it. Like if you don't, if you don't change, right, you're, you're destined to fail. You have to keep pivoting and, and especially with the, the pandemic, you guys had to pivot just like the, every other business on the planet, um, you know, including our industry. But, you know, one of the questions I actually have for you, so this is a nice segue into one of my questions is, you know, if, there's always all this negative stuff around the pivoting that has to take place because of um, the pandemic. But I'm wondering, are there things that, you know, you guys banged us out in 100 days are there things that, that came up and changes that you made that you guys said to yourself, you know what, this is actually a something we're going to do in the future
2: as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so one of the things uh, start off right off the bat, the, the PCA show exclusive products. So, you know, a lot of people pointed this out. I'm more than, you know, I was first one. Look, a lot of stuff that we did fell flat. We failed at some of the execution of some of the stuff that we wanted to do. However, I think because that was called out, I think that it underscored the fact that we have found a need there that we want to actually fulfill next year. And right, I can go into all the excuses, it doesn't matter, right? We all know what excuses are and that everyone has one, right? So here's, but the point here is, is that we've identified what I really feel like is a good need for attendees to have with this product showcase. So we're already working on ways in which we can execute that better for folks because we think that that's gonna be something that's really important to attendees. The second part is is that at the time we decided to do this uh, cigar bar uh, on the show floor was when there was no smoking in the casino. That obviously changed a few weeks before he we arrived, so it rendered that whole idea moot. However, people loved the idea, so when we were talking and getting feedback and other people from you know probably 40, 50 people, we then went in with our manufacturing advisory board, and they we talked about doing, hey, why don't we do – a big thing on the show floor and have a happy hour that leads to after hours that gives more people more time when the show closes down to network because that that circle bar, quote-unquote, that's right there, isn't big enough for everybody to be at. So if we have a space where we can have a lot more people yeah. gather afterwards on the show floor for a couple hours to continue the relationships, the networking, and even some of the business, then that would be beneficial. So that's something we've already planned and we're already working on that's already on the show floor. We have different ideas about things that we might want to bring in, whether it's entertainment, whether it's some airstream lounge type stuff. That's all TBD, but we are working on that, and that is planned. Yeah, I, along I, with I will say too. Sorry, I was going to say this no. Thing. Go ahead. Along with changing changing some of the hours to be more conducive to you know people that like the nightlife in Las Vegas, um, and activities that are going to be um, when we plan activities like education stuff and everything else, so that that way it's more participation without taking people off the show floor.
1: Right, I mean, as someone else who was who was at the trade show, um, you know, that was that was one thing that I think the first night it was a little confusing the whole the after party you guys were throwing, and it, and I think a lot of people we understood the concept. You're right, it was you know we at the time it was like well there's gonna be no smoking in the casino, um, and I thought that was great that you guys thought ahead because obviously anyone who's ever been to one of the trade shows knows. It doesn't stop at 5 o'clock when the show closes. It keeps on going <laughs> until like 2, 3 in the morning. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Even though we all exactly. have to be back on the show for like seven thirty, eight. Um <laughs> it, it keeps on going. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a long four and a half days, um, I would say, anyone who hasn't been to a trade show. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was good that you guys thought ahead, and I think just in real time, last minute – Smoking is allowed in the casino again, and then I think the I my feeling from what I got was just people were like, I don't want to be in the convention hall anymore if I don't have to. I just want to get out and all that. But like you said, also the bar is small. You know, I know that mm-hmm. a lot of people go there. Some people go to the uh, Electra Club that's in the You're opposite like a, yep. corner, um, you know. And but still, there's a lot of people in a small space, uh, and it's. It, some I people guess,
2: escape off to the door seat because that's another place you can smoke, which is kind of cool. But th-
1: that's again, true too.
2: So that then, gets busy. So it's hard to kind of find places, and they're they're all kind of loud. So it's really kind of tough to have good conversations while you're there too.
1: Right. Um, I think that there is some potential to the idea of having that private area for all of us to be together um so that way we don't have to be so spread out but we also have our own place that's maybe not in the show floor um and i'm sure you guys are working on that i'm sure this, it's it's stuff that you guys have thought of and, and and whatnot too and and i'm sure you know maybe we'll see you know some different attempts at that in the future and that'll be interesting to see because i think if it you know with, with some tweaks i think that could really be big um keeping everyone yeah. still together and not having to be you know you know you're at that bar and you know especially right now they're understaffed too. Trying to get drinks was a nightmare. Yeah, was a nightmare. Fred Rui and I stood there for Fred Rui and I stood there for forty five minutes trying to get the bartender's attention. Or no, was uh it might have been Mickey Pegg. We were standing, we were just waiting, waiting. Finally, I sat down with Mickey, and you know, I'm just gonna sit here and wait. And finally, I we, I got some <laughs> drinks, and it was just like there was only two people like behind the bar, but there was probably like a hundred people in and around the yeah. bar. Uh, it's crazy. So yeah, it, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot Mickey's of,
2: he's a hard dude to miss and to ignore too. So that's a, that's, that's
1: <laughs> he's big with his deep voice and he's still going, excuse me, excuse me. I know. And they're yeah. still like, ah, well, well, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. And he's just like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, no, One was, of the
2: nicest guys I've ever met though. I love that guy.
1: Oh, I love him. It was a great yeah. time. I sat there and I threw back some margaritas, got a little tipsy with him. It was fun. It was fun.
2: <laughs> I'll get to see him next week, so we'll get to uh, enjoy that same type of uh, atmosphere.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Nelson. I know you haven't been to a trade show. Um, you know, but like I said before, hopefully, you know, you'll you'll be there with us next year. You'll get to see that. You get to experience that. Uh, you get to meet Scott. The the one and only the man the myth the legend, um, he'll be running around. <laughs> he'll be busy, but he'll be only, there. Only,
0: only one of those three is actually true. My goal was was to get to an any kind of event this year. I I ended up having to put on my own. So there you go. You know sometimes I mean, you got to make your own party. You know, Drew Estate killed me. I was all set to go, and Barn Smoker
1: unfortunately got canceled.
2: Yeah, I was supposed to be there as well.
1: So that's actually an interesting one, and and I, and I know that this has been talked about, but I'll I'll bring it up again for the sake of refreshment. I think for anyone who might just be curious about this topic, in terms of the four companies who were not participating in the trade show for reasons other than COVID or business of the year, um, Swiss International, Davidoff, General, Altus, uh, you know. That was one of the biggest things, as you know, we all know. Uh, we're not participating in the PCA trade show for specific reasons, list of reasons. I think some people kind of just were just joining the bandwagon on that one. Um, is there any communication with them on trying to, to get that back in motion and maybe in some different kind of capacity they can return to the trade show? What is the update on that, I think, um, as of right now?
2: Yeah, we we reach out all the time um, in, in, in contact with them. Um, and like I said, I was going to be going up to the Connecticut barn smoker. Uh, Glenn Wilson, the CEO of Drew Estate, called me after they had to cancel it. Um, and I said, look, I said, I, I've been where you've been. So I said, I understand what you're going through right now having to cancel these events and everything. So we just talked for a little bit. But, yeah, I, I talked to Glenn Wilson pretty regularly. Um, a lot of us are, have a lot of contact pretty regularly with Altadas as well. Um, that we talk with various people, whether it's Javier, uh, whether it's Oliver, whether it's, uh, Brad Winstead with, uh, Costa Monte Cristo, um, you know, Santa Clara, one of their companies, right. They've reached out to us there. I think they're going to be coming back as well. So, um, Davidoff, uh, you know, that one's kind of up in the air. We've reached out, I uh, talked to Dylan when we were at an event, uh, right after the trade show, actually at the Dominican embassy. Um, so still good relationships there. Um, they just made a business decision. I don't believe they're going to be there next year. Um, in general, I, you know, what we'll kind of see. I don't think that overall SDG is going to be there, but, you know, Forged or whatever, we're still having conversations around certain aspects of ways that they participate as well. Uh, most of them still uh, belong to the organization. Um, I, again, we go, kind of go back to this evolution of the association, and, and it's really interesting because for as long as this industry has been around or long as the cigar has been around, the industry is still – kind of really in its infancy when it comes to really having a trade association uh, environment and an advocacy environment because they haven't needed it uh, so that's that's really kind of what I attribute most of this to it's just you know you got a lot of uh, smart capable type A people that are all trying to kind of get together in this and have different personalities and different corporate structures and, and different ideas about doing things and so it's just a matter of managing that you know I kind of you know I'm kind of gummy in that regard being stretched in different directions but you know that's that's why I'm here
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, as we kind of segue away from the trade show, we kind of get into other PCA stuff. Uh, I want to start with our news segment because we have some PCA-related news in our news segment, which is brought to you by none other than McAuliffe Cigars. If you head over to McAuliffeCigars.com, you can sign up, become an official McAuliffe Ambassador, receive your Ambassador Coin, Ambassador Number, and while you're there, sign up and get the, uh, the tasting passport that you can fill out. Submit back to McAuliffe and be entered into winning some cool prizes. Uh, this week, uh, it's only fitting, uh, fresh off the press today, PCA announces the first ever international policy summit uh, that will be taking place on October 6th. Um, and it will be mediated by none other than Light'em Up Lounge's Reinhard Pohork. Um Scott, tell us a little bit about that since you're here. Uh, I'll let you kind of get into that uh, as our new segment of the week.
2: Sure. Yeah. So this is something that really, so it kind of started um, with some conversations leading into the trade show we were having with multiple people and we kind of started sort of this international component to it. Unfortunately, again, travel to the trade show for some of these folks didn't necessarily turn out. So we thought, hey, let's do this in the fall. We knew we were going to be doing this other event that we're doing that um, later that evening. We thought we could turn it into kind of a, a larger, another in-person event type of thing. Not necessarily seeing that the Delta variant was going to wreak havoc, and some of these other countries had to close down, and some of this other stuff was going on. We decided to turn it into a virtual event. So it's kind of it was continuing off of uh, the panel that we did at the trade show, um, which which kind of came up, and we put it into a lunchtime slot. Um, and so we're really taking a look at this because one of the things that we have been doing for the past you know year and a half, two years, has been really to talk about the premium cigar industry and pipe tobacco industry in much larger spheres than just simply retail tobacconists. And I don't mean that in in a small way, but when we focus simply just as a retail tobacconist and a manufacturer and that selling component, we're really doing ourselves a disservice to the larger economies that we impact. And so we wanted to take a look at that and also say, look, there's international policy that we really need to be paying attention to here, whether it's trade, Obviously, there are situations that kind of go on in these countries where our administration here in the United States may respond in a way. I mean, look, we can see it. Just as an example, Cuba, the embargo. So we want to make sure that stuff like that, we can you know take care of things like that if, if those things are coming up, making sure that international relations, especially when it comes to things like free trade agreements, etc., that that our interests are being represented at those tables. And so for us, it's important for us to be at as many tables as possible, because then that way the premium cigar. Uh, our issues and our interests are being represented. So we thought this was a great way for us to be able to articulate and explicate how the premium cigar industry impacts different economies and countries um, as, as well as the United States. And so we are taking a look at a couple of different areas. Obviously, commerce and trade for the commodities itself. And so as part of that, we're looking at multiple aspects of what that means for different people, whether it's, you know, and we've got the deputy ambassador for Nicaragua for the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Iceland, who's going to be talking. Um, we've got, you know, Jer- uh, Jeremiah Merfell who, um, the African Cameroon. So we're looking at this on kind of a more global scale. And obviously, there's others that are representing different countries that are there talking about this. And then the European Cigar Manufacturers Association. So we're taking a look at the global economies that the premium cigar industry impacts. And then we're also taking a look at um, the uh, the um, charitable component uh, and social contribution of the cigar industry. That's one of the stories that doesn't get told enough because people think tobacco, they think big tobacco, they think cigarettes, they think the whole truth initiative and on all of obviously the the stuff that they put out. But really, I think what gets lost so much is how much the premium cigar industry gives back to communities and how much it's built communities both in Central America and in the countries in which their factories are found, but also throughout this country. You mentioned two guys earlier about you know where they can pick up the great cigar that you're smoking. Like think about how much that, that just that retail store has done for local uh, charities around them. And then you multiply that by three thousand for the amount of stores that we represent. And then you go into even greater. I could just even tell you for the fundraising event that we're doing next week, the manufacturer support, it's just it's it's almost instantaneous. You call up, yeah, what can we do? Yeah, what can we do? You know, these guys are are have they have back orders, they're they're trying to fulfill orders, they they're trying to get their production online, but these guys are finding cigars to donate to us so that we can do these events. And so that's one of the things that we want to underscore as part of this international policy summit as well. Is the global reach of the charity and the social contribution that the premium cigar industry provides to communities all over the world, and so that really is going to kind of um, be the the bookends for for what we're looking at here, um, and uh, and then yeah we got some opening remarks. Um, Senator Rubio is going to provide some opening remarks. Uh, Senator Menendez is invited. We're still waiting confirmation. We thought we had it, but it uh, looks like that's still TBD. But I think I'm I'm guardedly optimistic that he'll also provide some remarks. And we have the ambassadors for both the Dominican Republic and Honduras that are going to be a, a part of the conversation as well. So we're really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I, it sounds like it's it's going to be a, a good event, a really important event. I think this will be uh, another another successful venture for the PCA. Uh, and I like how you guys are taking that international approach too. It's not just, you know, the United States or whatever. It's you know, you guys are you guys are looking big, you know, and 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 trying to stay, like you said, at many tables, at as many tables as you can, uh, which is important, you know, having you know, as much as you can at your disposal, you know, being being as as uh, well equipped as you can, is always is always a good thing. Um, kind of something i wanted to segue into next uh after you know that outside of the news for the week um so i'm doing the producing and i, I got it down now but i'm not it's, it's not my <laughs> nicole normally does it i got it but like it takes me an extra second i gotta think about it um so i know right now this is a critical one because i know this is a hot topic right now so with the tax increase talks that mm-hmm. have been happening and you guys have been in really uh boosting that and posting that around and trying to get the word on that and educating and informing people and, you know, getting people, you know, try to together on this, uh, for those who might not know about it, I'm going to have you maybe explain, you know, what exactly is being proposed and we can kind of go from there on it.
2: Yeah. So basically as part of, um, this, the, the way that obviously oftentimes bills get passed, they will shove a lot of these pet projects in, pl- in place and some of these other things. Well, one of the things that they want to put in that they try to put into this has been this big tobacco tax increase thinking that's going to, um, bring in all sorts of new monies that they, they basically, you know, they want to take the tobacco money, put it into a huge money bin and swim around in like Scrooge McDuck to, to try to pay for all these things that they're out there for. The problem is, is that, um, I I, quite frankly, in my opinion, is that they're just kind of being um, either naively dishonest or purposely dishonest, but either way, dishonest about this. But basically, this results, this would result in in taxing premium cigars by weight uh, rather than a per cigar. And that's kind of crazy because. You know, a cigar varies significantly, as we have all been talking about with substantial equivalents and how different each cigar is. But not only that, you got some cigars that are pretty hefty out there when they would want to start taxing it by size. So you're looking at it anywhere of an increase from a four by 56 of of just about 350 percent of an increase to you're smoking, you know, that big poppy right there, which is just under a seven by 70, which would be over a thousand percent increase on your cigars. And the thing is, is that while they look at it and say, okay, well, maybe the average retail price would then go from $9.50 to $13.71 for the big 7 by 70 The problem with that is, is again, here's why I say they're either naively dishonest or purposefully dishonest, is that they don't take into consideration something called price elasticity, which effectively means, look, if, if there's good price elasticity, that means that the purchase rate of something is dependent upon the price of something. And so our good friends at NATO did the price elasticity uh, report on what this this impact would have. And then we used that and extrapolated it out kind of what that would mean for premium cigars. And the reality is, is that the money they think they're going to be getting is actually not even close to being true because the decrease in sales and effectively, we know that this would create a black end or gray market, which is where people would get cigars. We know that because we have seen that in place with states that have high taxes than with neighboring states that have lower taxes. And, and so, um, that would go down and it would obviously not, it would, all it would do was price, you know, cigars to a point where people would find different ways to purchase them and not purchase them. And they would obviously get a less tax back. So what we've been doing is we have been – we've gotten 13 state associations to work with their U.S. senators and congressmen as well. We've sent out over 10,000, probably close to closer to 11 or 12 at this point, consumer grassroots letters through our system that we've been doing. We put out a, a in-store grassroots toolkit for retailers so that they can get their consumers involved and getting onto CigarAction.org. Um, and really basically working in a bipartisan, bicameral basis to defeat the tax – alongside other stakeholders with and and basically our whole position is is that a tax increase violates President Biden's um, pledge to not have any taxes for those people making under four hundred thousand dollars a year which this would directly impact and so we have had conversations with cinema's uh, office uh, I know we've had others that have had conversations with Manchin um, and some of these other folks that um, that have been carrying our message forward and so um, while it's still stuck in the rules committee um, we are guardedly optimistic that we're going to be uh, vi- victorious in this and that the no tax will go through.
1: Uh yeah, you know, it, it, this is this is a perfect example and this is why you know we love having you or you know Glenn or whoever, whoever on the show. Uh, and even Josh, we'd love to have Josh on the show too. Having you guys on the show it's just another reminder and I know some people get sick of hearing about legislative stuff because it's it's not you know, let's face it, I know people are like, oh, it's not the glamorous stuff. It's not like, you know, having Nick Perdomo or Carlito Fuente on and they talk about it. I get it. But at the same time, what you guys don't understand is all that other fun and games that goes on will not exist if it's not for people like, you know, you guys and CRA. And um, you know, this, this is why you're here. You know, it, it, it's stuff like this. You know, people, yeah. you know, not everybody makes the same amount of money. Some people, they don't make as much as others. Some people, you know, they like to smoke cigars and. They live on a budget, you know. And stuff like this is it, it would price you, you know, it would price you out of some stuff you like. A lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it's another thing that comes to take away uh, this lifestyle that we all love and yeah. we appreciate and we're passionate about. I mean, that's why that's why I'm here every week. I do a show. That's why you know, I, smoking Tobacco as a brand is something that you know I. I have and I build and I work on and, we, you know, we have people like Nelson with us and to, to help contribute and to help. Uh, it's why we're here. We love this. This is why we're here. You know, like people ask me how many cigars do you smoke a week. I'm like, I don't know, like 20, 30, you know, it, it, I, this is what I do. You know, this is what I love to do. Uh, this stuff's important. Um, and I can't yeah. echo that message enough. So, you know, Scott, I think the biggest thing is maybe some people, they see these things, they hear about them and they, Maybe they get afraid of it. Maybe they don't like them, and they're like, oh, I don't know. Like what? But they don't know. What am I going to do? How can the general public, even just people outside of this industry, the regular consumer who goes to their local brick-and-mortar shop, they buy a bundle of their favorite cigar once a week, that guy, how does that guy who says, you know what, all right, what is it I can do to help PCA get on board with this?
2: Easiest thing to do, cigaraction.org and sign up. It's nothing that we're going to spam me to death on, but basically you put your information and in, we will know where your home address is. And the only reason why we know that is so that that way we know who your local elected uh, officials are. So that any time a grassroots alert comes up, we would send a message to you asking you to just simply put in your name, address, and your information in. And the letter's already pre-populated, and it sends a letter off to your local uh, elected officials to let them know that you either support or you oppose uh, whatever legislation is out there that's either going to be in favor, uh, for example, like a tax cap we're trying to pass, um, or you know keep different cigars on markets, things like that, and or fighting against something like this tax increase or a smoking ban, so on and so forth. That's really the easiest thing uh, to do is is just cigaraction.org. Um, the other thing that I always say is um, continue to participate in your brick and mortar and their events. You know, we're we're enlisting more and more of our brick and mortar retail stores to do grassroots advocacy, which means either hosting fundraising events and or hosting local elected officials at their stores for events. Uh, One of the biggest weapons we have is education. And the more that we can educate, even opposition in terms of what this lifestyle is all about and what the premium cigar is all about, they come to see very, very quickly that it is entirely different than other tobacco products. Most notably, the vape that everybody has their eyes on. Right. And so, when they see that juxtaposed, so it's very important to, and with the more the consumers are involved, because here's why it's very important. If a retail store owner sits down with somebody, that's impactful because it's a business owner who pays business taxes and local taxes and employs a few people. However, if you're at an event, instead of just talking to that store owner, and that event draws 50 consumers who are passionate about it, who are community members, who are also taxpayers and voters, who have family and friends and have influence. That message now is significantly amplified. And that's why I oftentimes liken it and, you know, unfortunately, it might be cliched or whatever. But that's why I liken it a little bit to having, you know, Minutemen that can be enlisted in this fight for people that do enjoy premium cigars to be able to have a voice and Quite frankly, it's one of the very few, even though it's a niche industry, it's one of the very few industries where a consumer singular voice amplified, you know, 10, 20 times with other consumers can actually have a really big impact because we are a niche. But also because, again, we're really primarily focused on small business issues, and that resonates deeply across the aisle and really at all levels of government. And when you as an end user can come into play there and really talk about it, uh, it really has impact. Because in this instance, they oftentimes will focus on the end user because of their claims of protecting the end user. Well, when the end user can speak out and talk about this, especially if you are armed with some of just the easy talking points from the research that we have that the government themselves did about cigar smokers do not pose public health concerns the same way that, that cigarette users or vape users do. Um, also, the average age of cigar smokers, as well as everything from education and, and income levels are very, very different than the user groups that they're focused on. All of that comes into play and can be a very powerful voice. And it's one of the few areas where consumers in a singular voice can have great impact, particularly at the local level. So that's why I always encourage folks, stay participating within your local brick and mortar. Not only supporting a local business, but it's a great way to have an impact in um, really kind of a, a non-intrusive way for you as a consumer.
0: So one of the things I was going to bring up, I think, t- I think ties into this, Um, you, I think earlier this year had spoke about the state associations, Mm -hmm. right? And, and I would imagine that's part of that state level support and building that, I'll use your term militia, right, that, that you, you want to get to, um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and where is the PCA with building that out?
2: Yeah. Thank you. That's great. So Glenn Lube, we brought him on board to spearhead this with, with states and with state advocacy through state associations. One of the ways in which we said, look, we, um, I, I mentioned this actually at our annual meeting at the trade show. I said, you know, we know we're being effective because our opposition is having to change tactics. And so our opposition, what well, one of the trends that we saw was in a lot of states, there were referendums that were out there that tried to change uh, tobacco tax policy from the state level down to the community level. So that way if a community wanted to tax cigars 3,000% they could and there wouldn't have to be approval at the state level to do that and basically they wanted to have this war of attrition with this by a thousand paper cuts so for us I said look the best way for us to be local everywhere is through our local state associations and we really want to enhance that relationship and kind of building off of a couple of models uh, with which I'm familiar from my history in, in association management but then also evolving it and innovating it in a way that's gonna be more beneficial for, for us as for the state associations. So we have been you know, trying to build it out. We're building a new one and getting in, we put together um, sort of state level uh, rules, sort of engagement incorporation and affiliate programs with the, uh, the National Association. And so we're now working with different states to organize them, which puts different things of rules in place, like here, you know, basically like bylaws um, and different things like that, um, making it as easy as possible to kind of put that in there. We, we would then take on the onus and different things like the filings and stuff because they would be part of the National Association. So we remove a lot of that burden from them. And we also remove a lot of like the day-to-day management stuff to where, as volunteers of the State Association, it allows us to take care of a lot of that. All of the tobacco bills that come up, we do all that research. We distill all of it down, write the reports, and get it out to them. So, really for us, it's just a matter of being able to work in concert with those state associations. And when we look to our participation with, you know, uh, we gave three awards uh, for state associations this year: Maryland, New York, and um, Michigan. They really kind of underscore our partnerships, right? Michigan, we work with their health department there to get a hearing when they close down cigar lounges so we can go through and explicate why cigar lounge air filtration is better so that way they'd have to shut them down because of COVID. New York has been phenomenal with their attack on the taxes that are there. We're working with them. Glenn's been tied to them intimately with trying to work on that. Maryland, same thing. They did a county-level shutdown for different stores, so working with them to get those stores opened up. We want to make sure that that's in all 50 states and the main reason why that's the case is that there might be a time where for years nothing comes up if you're in North Carolina or Florida but there might be a time where again like in Florida they wanted to have no smoking on beaches and so we enlisted some members there and were able to get testimony from one of our board members Marvin Holthauser was able to give testimony there and we defeated that that smoking ban on beaches there so that's really kind of the relationship we're building and we want to be able to get off of these states with the three agreements in contract with us so that we have these partnerships um, bi-directional communication and really have a fully enlisted again to your your term there militia that's going attack all of this it makes it very difficult for uh, for an opposition to beat us because that way' we're, we're everywhere at once
1: you know since we're talking about state level stuff uh, this is one that a lot of people have been asking me to bring up to uh, you know the people I know such as yourself and you know many other great people you know on the legislative side of the cigar industry uh, tomorrow uh, I believe it's tomorrow. I think it's October 1st. Uh, there is a state ban that is about to take effect uh, in the state of Connecticut. I'm sure you're yeah. well aware of this. Uh, and it, there's a lot of... there's a, Well, there's a couple of shop owners down there who have voiced some concern saying that the PCA left them hang, out hanging to dry. Um, w- what is your response to to this situation that is currently unfolding in Connecticut?
2: So Connecticut's another one. Uh, we've worked with that state association and the head of that state association very closely on this issue. Uh, the head of that state association, uh, along with you know us here, have been in contact with all of the relevant parties who were part of constructing that uh, bill. And not one of them said it, it had anything to do with premium cigars. Uh, the head of the Connecticut state association said he was not concerned in the least for his shop. Um, and every single response we got back from the elected officials that were there, that were A, the author of the sponsors of the bills, uh, told us no. Um, I know the shop that you're speaking about. Um, I'm not going to really talk about that shop. No need to. Uh, I can just tell you that the work we've done and in conjunction with the state association there, uh, that we have been told from the very authors of the bill that the cigar shops are not part of this or lounges are not part of this.
1: Yeah, and I, I remember when it, when it first kind of came to light, there was some people who got very upset about it and um, just, you know, for, and, and, right, and I get it, you know, and uh, and I would too, you know, I just, I'd be like, whoa, what the hell is this? Uh, and, and, and I feel like it's it's one of those things that, you know, maybe people, just, they just didn't have all the information that they didn't hear it right or whatever, you know, and in and, time and time. And I remember we were going out to PCA in July at the time, and I remember asking Glenn Loop about it. And we were on the we were on the trade show floor. We were in the Rocky Patel booth. I saw him. I ran into him. Said hi. Caught up briefly. And I said, Hey, I know you're busy. I'm sure I'll see you around. But just in case I don't, I have a quick question for you. And I asked him this issue, and he was like, They need to they need to kind of stand back a little bit, and 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 look at what's going on. And you know, it, it, not everything is. I believe, if I remember correctly, what he said, not everything is what it appears to be. Or something along those lines is, is what he said to me. Um, and, and I had relayed. About, th- oh, go ahead.
2: I, was say, I will say this. Um, I, you, know, you may hate us. You may hate me. Um, you may disagree with how we do things. You might even think that we are a bass-ackwards, ineffective organization. But my advice to anybody that owns a cigar store is the more public you make something, the more of a target you put on yourself. And so the exact opposite of what you would want to do, free advice, take it if you want to, but the exact opposite of what you want to do is to call attention to yourself and point out why you should be in fact regulated or targeted by agencies that would seek to shut you down. You would want to do the exact opposite. And quite frankly, uh, in lobbying and advocacy work, a lot of it, lion's share of it happens in private conversations. It does not happen in public. It does not happen in bills. It doesn't happen. I mean, oftentimes it happens in closed-door committee meetings. And the thing is, is that for us, that foster relationships, respectful relationships with those elected officials, they call us and talk to us about what's going on in these committee meetings. And they ask us, hey, look, this issue has come up. I know this is going to affect you. What options do we have? How will this affect you? What kind of response can we give back in committee? Do you have information you can send us? and you do that by fostering good relationships built on a foundation of of trust and bidirectional communication. So the last thing that you want is that if you are going to potentially be in the crosshairs is to publicly put yourself in those crosshairs and give people a playbook to in fact pull the trigger when you're in the crosshairs. The more pro- appropriate response is going to be let's work the proper channels in the appropriate way because again, the old adage, you catch more flies with honey than you do with or you catch you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's well said too. You know, another state uh, that has a great state cigar association is the the great state of New Hampshire. The New Hampshire Cigar Association, or the Cigar Association of New Hampshire, I should say. Uh, That's a great group up there. Um, Anyone from the Northeast, New England area, will know that New Hampshire is definitely a cigar friendly state. Uh, That is home to two guys, Castros, twins, um, Twins, Tobacco Haven. My favorite cigar shenanigans. Cigar shenanigans. A lot of great people, great shops, great lounges. They carry a lot of great stuff. That is, a, a I would say, a, definitely a cigar stronghold up there. My current state and where uh, Nelson also lives as well, although we'll get to where Nelson primarily gets his cigars from. Um, and the, and the, the people's, the democratic people's Republic of <laughs> Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tobacco products are, are no, no here. Uh, we have shops, uh, the, we are home to probably one of the oldest cigar shops in America, LJ Peretti, uh, which is a great place. If you ever come to the city of Boston and you're a cigar smoker, you must, you must go there. Um, you know uh stanza di Cigari in the north end is classic you know cigar lounge there's uh and um there's SNA, uh cigars in watertown there's a uh, cigar and lounge in watertown there's um i'm trying to think of all the ones that are around that i know of uh there's What's the
0: other one is it watch city or
1: yeah, Framingham. that's one. Uh, there's Sir Lewis Cigars way out in Wilbur, oh, well, yeah. Wilburham, I think that's the town. Uh, yep. So there's shops here, but, you know, there's, I believe it's, is it a 45% tobacco tax in Massachusetts? Um, it's something like that. It's something that. Yeah, high. it's out there. Um, you know, and there's, there's states where it's even higher. I know I know Maine has increased their tobacco tax. I think Vermont, it's it's super high. It's like 70%. Something crazy like that just um, in New York and New York is another yeah. one. Um, you know However,
2: we got some good progress going in New York to get a cap there. So what's interesting is that, to your the earlier point about the state associations, the the, the when I talk about the bidirectional communications, this is one of the most important examples of this. Mm-hmm. So Michigan we got a tax cap that's passed there and, and we're finally going to get it to where it doesn't have a sunset provision. Because of the economic data that we have from that tax cap, this goes back to the other argument about the federal tax increases, that we know that tax increases are going to have price elasticity effect on the purchases, and the people will go elsewhere. You guys are Massachusetts. Look, New Hampshire being friendly, those stores reap all the benefits from all the neighboring states that have taxes that are way too high. Right. And so with that economic data, we've been able to have ta- tax caps in other states in the past, like in, in New Mexico and others. and New York now, we've been using – um, and we want to use this as a case study. We've been using that data and using the connections. And look, this is another reason why. It's because you, we end up finding people that have connections and or even family members that are state elected representatives that understand, oh, hey, my cousin owns this cigar store and this is impacting them. And oh, if we were to reduce the tax, and it's basically, it's a simple, it's a simple business model or extrapolation. You have long tail versus short tail, right? And cigars are going to be long tail every single time. They don't cost a ton, but you want to sell a lot of them. It's not like we're, these, we're selling these for $150 a pop and we're only going to sell like 20 or 30 a day. No, we want the long tail. We want a lot of them sold. So if you cap it and you sell a lot of them, you're going to get a lot more money because the higher the taxes, the shorter the tail, the less you're going to make off of it. And We have economic data that shows that now. So that's why we want the state association and the coalition of all these states so we can share that information more freely as we go, and that way it doesn't bottleneck or stop with one specific state. And so we'd love to be able to open up the floodgates and have the entire Northeast have a tobacco, uh, tobacco tax or uh, cigar tax cap.
0: So that, that's that's interesting because I don't know if this is Matt where's going, but I'm I'm a perfect example of that, right? I live in Massachusetts. I'm in a stone's throw from Rhode Island. Yep. And guess what? Rhode Island has a 50 cent cap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, guess where yep. I buy 99.9999% of my cigars in Rhode Island. In all Rhode the lounges I go to are in Rhode Island. They're getting all my tax money.
2: Exactly.
1: And, you know, and even even for me, I'm in the same boat. I, you know, I live just outside of Boston. I go up to the great state of New Hampshire, uh, where Nicole and I are going to be moving to uh, and buying a home very soon. So, because, you know, she know that. Oh <laughs> so, don't worry, she's she's very well on board with that. Uh, <laughs> surprise. No no, she she wants to go there just as bad as I do. Um uh, you know, listen, we're we're whiskey people and we're cigar people. We're going to New Hampshire. Um <laughs> no brainer. That's a no that's a no brainer.
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> a briar that's a briar patch for you.
1: Uh, yeah so you know and, and and Nicole you know nicole has a gun license too and, and they're more more they're much more gun friendly in, in New Hampshire too um so you know it's it, it's definitely a place for us so anyway you know me being I primarily go to New Hampshire you know for that reason you know there, there's no sales tax there's no tobacco tax it's like the wild west up there you know you can, you know you, you I'll be honest with you you could do some damage in your wallet going up there you, this there's so many options and everything's priced great. Uh, Nelson going down to Rhode Island. Rhode Island's known for having like what fifty shops and lounges down there. I mean, there's, there's a ton of them down there. It's crazy. There's over forty lounge actual lounges in uh, in Rhode Island, I and, believe, at last count. And it's crazy because and when you smallest state, when you look at a state that's so small, and yet they have more lounges than like half the states in the U.S. do. See, but that's proving Scott's point. Right? Yes, exactly.
0: At, at, and I don't know. I mean, I they, they've been toying in Rhode Island. So because they do spend so much time in Rhode Island, I, you know, I hear the scuttlebutt around the legislation over there. Um, at, you know, and there's been talks about the, the, the state is trying to maybe double the tax to a dollar um, per stick, whatever. And I think it proves what, what Matt's saying right now. It proves like, OK, so you increase the tax to 50 cents per stick, right? Fine you know, to, to Scott's point, if they did double it, now they're going to shave off. They're going to just lose people through attrition, right? It's going to be like, all right, well, I'm not paying more for, because not everyone's buying $15 sticks. Not everyone's buying $20 sticks. You know, they're buying $6 sticks. And now the $6 sticks might be $8, right? And that, that might break the budget for them. But, you know, where where does it end? And I, I think that's a great point. I never put that together. I'm having this epiphany right now that in, in a, you know a moderately taxed cigar state there's an abundance of lounges and stores um where you have right next door in massachusetts you know our taxes blew up on tobacco and most of the lounges closed yeah i mean we have
2: what less than 10 in the state maybe a dozen it's, it's it's unfortunately low for massachusetts and that's the problem is that ultimately what they're doing when they try to enact this public policy and this is also the this is the idiocy of public policy and it's, the, it's, it's gotten worse obviously over the years but they try to make public policy on big grand scales it reminds me have you ever seen not to kind of go off on a tangent here but you ever see what is it Mooseport, where ray romano is a local
1: and then yeah. hackman
2: comes in as, as the old president right and they both run for mayor so this guy comes up during a debate and he talks about the fact he's like look i live on this house and everyone comes up in the night and shines their lights in my window i don't get any sleep so Gene Hackman gives like the typical response, and it's, it's a brilliant response because it, it, it exemplifies everything wrong with public policy, which is this. He goes, we're going to get the finest Army Corps of Engineers to come through. We're going to assess this. We're going to see the grade of that hill. We're going to see the lights, the angle, everything else. We're going to get the finest report that's going to be out there. So they create this massive infrastructure of public policy that's not really going to answer the problem. But it's going to create multiple other problems while seeming to address, right? This the old Milton Friedman whole thing. Uh, public policy or government policy is only ever judged on its intent, not on its outcome. And Ray Romano's response is basically, come out of my hardware shop, I'll get you some drapes and we'll block out the light and you'll be done, you'll be good. He's like, oh, okay, that solves the problem, <laughs> right? So that's the problem is that like the focus is public policy, right? And the economists say, oh, well, we've got to save the kids, we've got to do this with tobacco, we're going to tax it because if we make X amount, we'll make X more. And that's the problem with people that don't ever run a business or don't ever really know economies and uh, uh, economic principles. They don't really understand that. And to your point, we're going to go get it elsewhere. We're going to go smoke elsewhere. We're going to move elsewhere. I mean, and you're seeing that, right? I just read a report where they were talking about the District of Columbia, seeing people fleeing the, the, the district. And it was, it was uh, I think it was fifth. And the four other states that had more people leaving it were New York, Massachusetts, California, uh, no, that was those were the top three, and then it was the it was the District of Columbia, and again, I mean, one of the common denominators there are higher taxes, more expensive living, so on and so forth, more intrusive public policy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I that was a contributing factor to why David Garofalo moved Two Guys Smoke Shop from Boston to the state of New Hampshire, and he finally yeah. had enough, and he's like, you know what, you know, screw you guys, I'm going to New Hampshire. You know, great business yeah. decision. Yeah, J- just like yeah. you know, it's it just like all right, well. I'm not gonna play that game with you. I'm going up there, and he did, and yeah. he's got one of the biggest cigar shops in the country right now. So I mean, yes. smart, very smart. And you know what? Where are his shop's located? Salem, Nashua, Seabrook, right across the border. Across the border. Yep. And yeah. it's it's. Nobody genius. has <laughs> ever
2: accused Dave. Nobody has ever accused Dave of uh, not being a shrewd businessman. He is. <laughs> that yeah. Has <laughs>
1: you know he's he's been very successful uh, you know I, I think that was a great business decision but again that's just another example of alright well we're going to just raise the tax on alright well I'm going to leave so you know you yeah. can it's like you can have a business here pay your taxes into the state or you could just well I'm just going to go somewhere else and give another state the money because you guys are just it's just it's becoming too intrusively I think that's a great word that you use uh, intrusive public policy that's a great, that's a great, uh, it's a great phrase there. And it's so true. And and it's, it's so well said, um, and Massachusetts and New York, California. So some of the three that are, are, you know, the biggest on this issue, you know, especially with, you know, we talk about just tobacco, um, you know, New York, you know, look at the city of Boston. We only have one lounge in the whole city of Boston, one lounge in the city of Boston. That's a major U S city. Major yes. U.S. city, it's growing in the last twenty years, it's, it's been doubling in size. We have one cigar lounge. One, I New York City, Except I know. The
2: Patriots I, locker room used to become a lounge after they'd win Super Bowls. I do remember that.
1: Yeah, and the <laughs> and, and and Red Auerbach used to fire him up at the Boston Garden. Uh, that was yeah. The, well, oh,
2: <laughs> do, you watch the, do you watch the TV show Billions?
1: I did. I'm not caught up right now.
2: Uh, well, in the last episode, they just watched. I'm not gonna ruin anything for you, but they did. They had a box of Red back punch cigars that they were all getting ready to light up for their big victory. Ah. So uh, yeah, they they, <laughs> they actually have a segment on it. they were talking about oh, that's and cool, lighting them up and everything, and yeah, it was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good show. I just I've lost touch with it. I got to get back into the swing of things with that one. Um,
2: yeah, when you, well, when you mentioned Red Hourback cigars, it, yeah, it, it, <laughs> there's a whole scene about
1: that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's you know i think it was nice i didn't even plan on uh, the conversation going this way into the state agencies and, and groups and stuff which i think is very important um a lot of times i feel like you know when when these topics come up whether you guys are on the shows or involved or whatever it, the state stuff speci- everyone always looks at the federal federal fund, which is not you know it, it's important and it and it should be talked about but the state specific stuff i think is great and it, it's great that we got into that because it is important and I would say in defense of the PCA on certain things, they, you guys can't be everywhere all the time. You know, you guys are always active. You're always busy. You're always in a lot of things. You can't be in every little corner of the country all the time. And that's where these state groups come into play. And that's very important because they can monitor and help fight these things on the ground locally and, you know, keep you guys in the loop. Like, okay, hey we have this issue going on. This is what we are doing about it. This is how we're getting people involved. This is how we plan to attack it and then come to you guys. And then you guys can be like, okay, well, this is how we can help you. And I think that makes such a better, uh, team effort and it creates a bigger, more organized attack plan for some of these issues. Cause you guys can't just come into every state and be like, all right, we're here, you know, like a cleanup crew, or you know, like right. dog, like dog, the bounty hunter. Oh, okay, I'm here now to get this one. Like you guys can't be right. everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, I definitely
2: don't have that. I don't have the hair to be dog. Um, and for for one, but the, the other part too is is that, um, I mean we could, uh, it, technically speaking, but I, I mean the, it would it would cost you know tens of millions of dollars, uh, mm-hmm. you know at the, at that point, right? In, in order for us to to be active in every state every single day. Uh, with resources that we are paying for, so it would require obviously significant investment, and, and so this is a way for us to do it in a most cost-effective way. You know, we we have a cigar series that we've been doing for a, a few years now um, with some other um, companies, and that that love the cigar series, and basically we get to go and we get to be at the table with so many of these guys during their their pack fundraising events because we bring the cigars, and people love us when we show up because they love the cigars. And it was interesting because one of, uh, one of the lobbyists for Marathon Oil said to us once, he was like, man, he goes, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. He goes, said, you guys punch so far above your weight class. He's like, it was impressive. And he kind of went down the list. And this, you know, this is a guy who's, who's very good at what he does and has been doing it a long time. But it's for that reason is that we, we have to be we, – we can't spray and pray like a shotgun. We've right. got to be surgical. Our weapon of choice is a scalpel, and that's why we need as many people involved as possible so that we can be very precise when we do deploy our resources, because we want to have the maximum impact when we do deploy them. Um, and, and, and that way we're being good stewards of the association's money, of the industry's money, uh, being able to deploy them in the right ways for us to exact victories.
0: Well, it's, it's almost like we plan this because that's a perfect segue into another thing I wanted to bring up with you, which is, and I, I'm going to steal your boxing analogy, right? You're not just fighting one fighter in the ring you're fighting multiple fighters at the same time right so you know can you talk a little bit about how how does the pca do that so you know we talked about the the um, the tax hike that's coming up you know over 100 percent which is insane um the the fda uh flavored stuff going on where you know now they're uh, i forget which company it was is going challenging dmdos but you know with all these multiple things, and I don't know, maybe you could also speak to it, is this unique to this time period, or is this something you deal with all the time, that did these, you're fighting multiple fronts? Um, how do you guys handle that?
2: It's effectively why we wanted to ramp up our government affairs team as much as we have. Look, we just brought Ryan Parada on, who was a research intern for us. Um, just got his master's degree in research. Um, did did a very good job, and so he's helping us. You know, we got brought Glenn Loop on, Josh, myself. We're all deployed on this for that very reason, and so we triage it that way, right? Based upon this, and and really, oftentimes it does go cyclical. Uh, this happens to be one of those times where we are getting it. That's why we have got a consultant that helps on, on a lot of these issues as well. You know, it, it 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 industry where that can happen. I was in healthcare where stuff comes up quite often times and you're getting it from multiple directions depending upon yeah. what segment that you're in, right? And so, um, really for us, our whole tactical approach is always going to be triage based upon a number of different factors. Number one is going to be the severity of the legislation that we are facing. Number two is the likelihood of the, that legislation either passing or what happens if it passes and, and the outcome from that to therefore what kind of resources can, in fact, we should deploy for that. So we could talk about where we had multiple states that were having various issues, whether it was last year or the year before. We had flavor bans that were going on in California, which we fought very hard and got about 85% of what we wanted, whereas the vaping industry and others got nothing, right? So we actually, for us, in terms of the amount of resource we put in, which was a lot for us, comparatively speaking, but very minimal as far as that side was concerned, we were a lot more effective because, again, we're surgical in our approach and how we went about it. And that kind of underscores some of the what I was talking about earlier about committee work. Uh, other parts are coming into play where we're facing uh, – so a lot of these states aren't very uh, innovative. Oftentimes states, going to they're going to copy each other and or they actually have a playbook that's been given to them by other groups, and they all try to enact it at the same time. So when yeah. they pop up and we see – tobacco 21, for example, is an example, but on a smaller scale, four or five states pop up with a tax increase that looks similar – We can deploy the resources across five states pretty readily because we work on it, we get it out there, and then that's why we have to rely on those states in order to say, "Okay, we've deployed it. Now you guys need to go and carry the rest of this the rest of the way." Mm -hmm. So um, we we oftentimes are able to say, "Look, there's three or four issues. What what uh, what resources do we need? Um, What is the severity and the outcome? uh, If the outcome is uh, what our opposition wants, and what kind of resources can we deploy and should we deploy in defense of these?" Sometimes. Uh, For example, there is a tax that's part of the actual California state legislature. We could deploy $100 million there to try to get a referendum, and it probably would not be successful. So that's something where we're like, look, we can't, we don't have any resources to expend on that because it would not do, it would literally not do any good. We can't get a referendum out there. It it would effectively be like getting a referendum recall to the governor, right? That's very expensive, time consuming. We don't have the resources for that. And even if it did go on to the ballot, the chances of the voters voting for it. Are very very minuscule so in that sense we're like okay there's different things that we might be able to do there versus okay we're gonna work with New York here and deploy resources because we're gonna we think we can get a tax cap because we made progress the State Association is working in concert and being able to take the lead on some of these instances so let's deploy some resources there because of that Michigan worked very closely with the Michigan State Association there who did a phenomenal job again get the lounges open but also get a permanent tax cap fixed there let's put some resources towards that because that's going to be very effective and that's going to have long term positive benefits, not only for us, but for other states and other shops around the country that can take the economic data and implement it to get their own tax caps. So that's just a real quick summary of the way we triage that. So that basically, you know, an old football term, you know, keep your head on a swivel, right? And that's 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 what we have to do consistently, is keep our head on a swivel and then deploy the resources as needed.
0: Right. Yeah, I, and I'm sure that doesn't even begin to come close to all the work that goes into the strategies. But you know, I'm I'm really happy that you shared that because you know, to Matt's point earlier, I, I think sometimes the, the PCA gets a bum rap, and and 90% of the time, in my opinion, it's it's not it's not even valid, right? It's because t- I think you said it earlier, like they don't really know what's going on, and I just don't think folks, and and I'm speaking for myself, people that I speak to in lounges and things like that. They don't really comprehend how much work goes into what the PCA does. So I appreciate you sharing that.
2: And yeah, but to your point, I mean, there's thousands of bills that come up in the states that we go all right. And sometimes they try to hide stuff. But they say cigarette tax. We have to go through and we have to make sure does this have any implication? Um, or proposed flavor ban. What does that mean? You know, so for example, there was this this Cavendish issue that came up in Arizona with pipe tobacco. That we like, look, they're charging for more for Cavendish tobacco, so we had to get that get that fixed and get that changed so that that way, you know, it, it was appropriate for for what it was in, in compared to other pipe tobacco that was there. So we, I mean, the digestion, and we have services that do that for us, but at the end of the day, we're the ones that have to interpret whether or not it's something that's going to be impacted uh, impactful on our members. And that's, again, another reason why state associations are so important, because we reach out to the leaders of those state associations. Hey, this has come through. Let's digest this. What do we think? So let's deploy some resources. Let's find out if this is what it it really says and then go forth from there. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, great. Nelson. Oh, go ahead. No, just on on a related note, I guess. And I, I just thought of this as he was talking, which is, you know, there's power in numbers. Right. So are there other lobbying organizations that the PCA has teamed up with um, to fight maybe some of the bigger fights, uh, like a CRA or something like that?
2: We're in constant contact and coordination with the CRA, um, and so we work very closely with them. You know, many of their manufacturers that are on their side, they're on our advisory board. They call. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, and then there's the Cigar Association of America. There's other tobacco lobbying groups. I mentioned NATO earlier. They did a lot of the great economic work on this tax and what that would mean uh, specifically like the, the, the price elasticity and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we generally do like to reach out and work with these other groups. We, have we've reached out to other groups um, even if it was like for retailers or restaurant groups and things like that. And, and, yeah. and COVID and everything um, that we wanted to be a part of too. So we, that, that's also a part of, like I talked about earlier, the strategy of being at as many tables as possible because then that reduces the uh, chance that you're actually going to be the one who's on the menu. Right.
1: <laughs> great analogies tonight. <laughs> yeah, there's this, this been some really good ones, um, guys. I want to uh, I want to take a break from this really quick, and I want to hit our uh, our top three segment. Our top three segment is brought to you by none other than Room One Hundred One Brands. Room One Hundred One more than just cigars, but their cigars are great too. Uh, it's a lifestyle brand. It's also a gin brand. If you haven't tried their gin, you got to check that out. Room One Hundred One. Uh, everything. Matt Booth. If you are a Room 101 fan, that is the place where you need to be. Uh, let's see. I uh, I was going through my list of, of uh, things for top three. Um, I know I like to travel. Scott, I'm sure you, you travel a, a, a fair amount uh, with PCA. And, Nelson, I know you are a, an explorer of, of sorts as well. So top three favorite or maybe ideal vacation destinations from each of you tonight. Scott, you can go first.
2: Do we lose his audio? I go,
1: oh, there we go. It's yeah. back.
2: <laughs> so foremost for me, Switzerland, uh, you know, I lived there about 20 years ago. Uh, I'd love to go back and, in vacation there. I love Switzerland. Uh, I've never been to Fiji, uh, say, um,
0: I wonder if his ear pods are losing power.
1: Yeah, it seems to me like it cuts out, and then when he starts talking, it comes back in again. Scott, what was that last one? I think he said, "I don't know." What, I don't know what <laughs> Let's happened just there. Read his lips. I want to say it looked like Portugal to me. One
0: word. Hold on. Por- one word. Por-
1: there Portugal. we go. Yeah, I I thought I thought I saw that. <laughs> oh, I thought we were doing charades. He was holding one, <laughs> one word, two syllables. <laughs>
2: Portugal, Portugal was uh, Portugal is yes. an incredible Portugal. place. If you've never My been man. there before, then uh, I highly, highly recommend it.
1: Those are, so you lived in Switzerland. So how long did you live there for?
2: So I lived in Switzerland. Total time in Switzerland itself was about a year. Oh, I lived cool. About another what ten months uh, in France in a couple of different cities in France.
1: Ah, interesting. That's really cool. Nelson, what about you? What are your top three?
2: so my top
1: three he said fiji
0: which is definitely on my top three um the coast of fiji and i had actually looked into it 10 years ago um and just never went i think there was tsunamis going on at the time or something i was like this is not a good time to go to fiji uh fiji was one of them cambodia um is actually on my list really um i, I have a close yeah i have a close friend that went there and hopefully pete is not listening but one of the things you can you can basically you can get a like bazoo you can rent any gun you want down there like anything, and you get to shoot a rhino like it's just crazy. Wow. <laughs> and and I'm like sorry animal lovers, but that <laughs> sounds really cool to me. I can get a bazooka do you, and do that. Do you get to eat the rhino afterwards? Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah, they cook it. yeah. Wow. All right.
1: Those are those are some tough hefty animals too. I mean. Even yeah. with a bazooka, I mean, whew. I mean, you'll do some damage, but I mean, I don't think it's gonna blow apart the same way like a tiger would. You know what I mean? I mean, those things are so no. pretty damn robust. <laughs> but
0: yeah, he said like there's, and it's only, it's like two hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's yeah. really crazy. Different world, and it's just like the people, and it's it's the whole culture down there. It, it sounds fantastic. Um, I wouldn't want to live there, but I definitely want to visit. Yeah. Uh, and then my third one. I mean, really it would be, this is a, like a cop-out, I guess, like anywhere in the Caribbean. I just, I, I love the ocean. I would live anywhere where there's clear water and sun.
1: Yeah, I, I would probably, I, I'd probably agree with you on the, so Fiji, i I probably put Fiji on my list. Uh, something Caribbean I'd put on my list. Um, and then uh, Napa Valley is on my list. But it's looking oh. like that could be, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this publicly. I don't know if she wants me to tell people. Well, but, I shot a rhino, so. But you know, I I, I think <laughs> I think we're looking at Napa Valley for the for the honeymoon, so that one might be be checked off the list. So, um, that would be a that's good. That's I think the uh, ideal destination for that one. But uh, yeah, that one was on my list too. I've always wanted to go. My grandparents went uh, when I was a kid. My grandfather's a huge wine drinker. Uh, really like really like he he is the wine version of all of us and he's been to a lot of the wineries out there and and i've always wanted to go and as i got older and i got into wine myself uh it's the idea of going and doing all that is it's it's on my list for sure so i'd probably put that at number one uh and hopefully we get to cross that one off uh next year so uh for the honeymoon which would be cool very nice so I'm very excited for that. Hopefully that that does come together. Uh, all right, let me see. i got to switch the screens again. I think I got it. Boom. All right, cool. Uh, so, guys, we've been on here for a little bit. We've covered a lot of topics, uh, especially when it comes to PCA. The, there's no shortage of things we could get into, things we could talk about, things we can boost to promote, all important things, too. They're not just good things. They're important things that all of you guys at home listening, watching, uh, it should just keep in the back of your mind at the, at the least and be aware of it and know about it. Best case, you do whatever you can to help be involved. Sign petitions, get involved with local government and the state cigar associations like we've talked about tonight on the show. Very, very important. Find, get in touch, your local brick and mortars, your local state cigar associations. Um, if, if you want to be involved and help with these things that go on uh, right in your own backyard, you know. Uh, and that's and that's the biggest thing you can do, really. Um, you know, before we wrap talk, up,
0: talk to the retailers because i I definitely know the re all retailers stay in tune, right? Mm-hmm, so if yeah. you're if you're looking to get more information, I guarantee your retailers stay on top of all the tax legislation. So talk to them. And Absolutely if
2: not you asking them that we'll hopefully get them to say yeah, you know what? I have an association, let me find out and get the information right. and we'll get them, we'll get them whatever they need and you know, we did this in Idaho where I went actually as part of an event that they were doing with HVC, uh, you know, talked to 30 plus consumers there about what was going on with Idaho and and how why it mattered and kind of what was going on nationally but what they could expect also from tobacco legislation and so yeah, I mean it that kind of thing is, is what will probably sprout from just a consumer asking some questions to a retailer. Maybe they put on a state, you know, or just some kind of event where we can come and talk to everybody about stuff too.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely getting involved in your, in your, in your local brick and mortar retailer is, is, uh, is, is huge and, and, and going from there. And, you know, it's funny, we had someone on recently and I'm trying to remember this conversation, uh, and who I had it with. And, Oh man, it was, it was very recently too. And it's, it's escaping me. We had this conversation where, um, it was, it was someone from a brand. Was it even John? I don't I can't remember who it was, but whoever it was, they were saying one of the biggest things too, and I'm par- and I'm kind of paraphrasing because I'm trying to remember the conversation. I remember that the, the punch and topic of the conversation was that part of when the reps are on the road going from shop to shop, doing events. Another thing that w- makes them successful is having those reps bring stuff up too. PCA, CRA, stuff going on. How, like, you're in the shops. You're doing an event. You have customers coming in. It's a good time. You know. You have a, a little bit more traffic because there's an event, whatever, The so, so-and-so's there and the, you got stuff going on. People come in to see that. While you're peddling and selling your stuff, which is, which is what you're there to do and it's important and it's great and that's what keeps the industry going, also bring up, you know, Even if it's something small, something specific, whatever it is, just sprinkle something that gets the consumer engaged with PCA, CRA, the, the legislative side of the industry. Make them aware yeah. you know, while that's you're there. That's a great there... point because that's their bread and butter, right? That's right. such a great point,
0: Matt. Be... They'll only benefit by, by having that happen.
1: And that's yeah. something that a lot of reps out there who work for these companies should really keep you know, in their mind as they go out and they see these people in stores.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Great point. You know, we had a conversation like this, a gentleman, he's no longer with them, but Alex, who was with uh, Christoph down in the Southwest and Mm -hmm. and the same type of thing, right. Work with them on that, that, that same wavelength, you know, and, and, and that event was with a rep from HVC and we were kind of doing that and we got, Consumers. I mean, this one lady walked up to me immediately after I got done with my spiel and showed me that she had signed up on CigarAction.org. I mean, it was just as, as simple as that. So that's a great point, right? Is is that's all part of you know the 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 broad base of the army that's enlisted, doing all of, uh, of these just little things like that that add up in huge ways.
1: Yeah, and and it's great because you know at the same time, you know, I mean, not only you're just you're getting those people involved just for their own sake. But, I mean, you're a cigar company. You're a brand. You're representing a brand. You're trying to sell cigars. It affects you, too. And it affects you from the manufacturing side. It affects the retailers that you sell your products to. Uh, And then the consumer who buys them from that retailer, who, you know, they keep buying from the retailer. The retailer's going to keep buying from you. So it's, it's it's a perfect storm of all these different facets. So it's not like it's just from one angle. You know, you out there, also as a rep, you know, you also kind of have a responsibility to talk about this stuff because it, it is your bread and butter as well. It's not just ours. It's not just the consumers. It's not just the shop. It's the manufacturer. It's everybody. Everyone should be talking about it. You know, the shops are really yeah. good about it. Like we've said, you know, the manufacturers, you know, that's that extra push. You come into the shop yeah. and you know, the sh- you know, everyone working in the shop, you know, the shop owner, you know, if that conversation comes up, you know, they're getting involved, you know, they're going to back, yeah. you know, they're going to agree with you. It's like, Oh Yeah oh my god yeah this this thing's coming through we have a state association da, 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 da. this is who we are this is this is what we do this is how we get involved that it keeps that it keeps the flame alive really it keeps the cigar lit you know
2: yeah so, well i often talk about the fact that it's it's kind of like the it's the the tripod is that you got the, the manufacturers on one leg, you have the retailers at the other leg, and that last leg at the consumers. So if we got all three of those engaged, we have a very, very strong tripod that cannot be pushed over.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's really just the, the biggest message that we could share to everyone uh, when it comes to the legislative stuff. You know, and, you know, maybe the, like I said before, maybe the small details. Maybe something goes over your head. Maybe it's not interesting to you. But take some time out of your day as a cigar smoker, someone who loves cigars, to at least, at the very least, you know, get be educated with it. You know, just be educated on what's going on with, with stuff that, you know, people like Scott and Josh and Glenn – what what it is they do? You know wh- who are the PCA? You know, uh, Mark actually brought up something earlier, and it was you have to ask yourself the question: How many of those one to two cigar a week smokers even know who the PCA is or even cares? And one to two cigars a week, uh, one to two cigar a week smokers are a huge percentage of all smokers. Now, when you look at that statement, it's very true. There's a large percentage of premium cigar smokers who are not maybe. They're frequent, but they're not maybe as frequent as the three of us. Um, I think yeah. it's safe to say the three of us probably s- smoke more than the average. But we're, we're definitely <laughs> the exceptions, and not the rules. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, when you look at maybe the average or um, the the classic everyday, you know, maybe it's one to two cigars a day. Uh, maybe it's one to two cigars a week. Maybe it's just a maybe a handful a month. They smoke regularly enough – Regularly enough. I don't know why I struggle with that one uh, – to, to know enough stuff, you know. Um, but maybe, you know, that's a good point. Maybe they don't know – they're not as invested in it to the point where they know PCA and th- these other organizations that are higher up because that's not really something that they've gotten far to enough, and it's really affected them on some kind of personal level. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. And those people, you know, they should be aware. And they should know. And I think that's what we're just trying to echo here today. Um, and, and that's that's what I wanted to echo, you know, for you, uh, Scott, you know, is just, you know, be aware, be educated, be be, know, be in the know what's going on. Uh, and, and the best you could hope for is that, you know, hey, maybe, maybe you do, you know, get involved here and there and you do something or you send a donation or, you know, you, you, you sign a petition, something like that. That just kind of gets your support out there. Uh, which, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, we're all in this boat together. And that's, that's the way I like to end this conversation every time is we're all in this boat together. We all love cigars, no matter what cigars you smoke, no matter whose t-shirt you're wearing for, for paid promotion. Um, you know, um, you know, skip did not pay me <laughs> <laughs> trying to make a joke. There, I, asked that, I, asked, I
2: asked, that before <laughs> we went uh,
1: you know, JC Newman pays so me. You know, JC Newman pays <laughs> me for this and the shirt and, you know, all that. But I, I don't, you know, and, that, and that's great. But uh, uh, Cro Magnon over there, you Roma Craft Tobacco over there sponsoring Nelson DeMello. Uh, that's the rumor <laughs> on the street that I'm going to start. <laughs> hey, you know, that's how shit starts. Up a really
2: interesting point here, but I just <laughs> to dive a little bit further into this so people kind of understand the magnitude is that more than 70% of cigar smokers are the people that do it a handful of times a year. Not a month or a week, right? They're the the golf course people. They're the the birth or the wedding or things like that. So when we're talking about those that know the shops well enough to be able to get involved, we're talking about a small subset of what's already a niche industry to begin with. So that's why we stress the importance that if you are a cigar smoker that smokes on, you know, is is more active in the hobby, sign up at CigarAction.org. There's nothing, there's no cost. But that allows us that if you care enough to do that, then you know obviously we're hoping that you'll care enough to just simply take a few minutes out of your day to go ahead and sign a petition. You know somebody uh, or decide to send the letters off. Right? Somebody reached out to me the other day, and it was within 30 seconds she had sent it off. She's like, hey, this link doesn't work. That she was sent basically, you know, an an online retailer had sent our message on behalf, and I said, no, here use ours because their link wasn't working. And she was like, "Boom, done." It took thirty seconds for her to to, to send the emails off and the letters off to her uh, elected officials. Uh, that's really what we're talking about here. And if we can get a hundred percent of that thirty percent, we have a massive group then that can wield a significant amount of influence um, in the in, in the way we deploy those resources.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I I want to thank you, Scott, for coming on the show tonight. My uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, it, it, it's an honor for us to have you. Um, and uh, I know you're a busy guy, and I know you—you you, know—you guys are. You have so much to do. Um, and you know, we we appreciate you know you coming on the platform and and talking about this too with, with the listeners and the viewers, because um, you know it's something that I care a lot about. Uh, you know, I, I've had, I've had, you know, my own private discussions with you about things that I, I'm, I like, and I'm passionate about and ways that I want to help the PCA. as an organization. I'm a PCA member, you know, I pay my dues. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, and, 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 so as someone who's a member of that organization and, 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 and pays into that organization, there's ways that I want to help. Cause I know it helps this industry. And, and this is an industry that I, you know, obviously means a lot to me, um, that I operate into. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's it's something I always have time for, you know. Uh, when it comes to c- cigar stuff, you know, th- there's always a spot on the show for for someone like you or from you know anyone from PCA because it, it is an important message. Um, so I, yeah, again, just thank you for coming on the show and Nelson, you know, thanks for coming back. You know, it, it was great to see you, and I know you're probably oh, going to be on. It's a pleasure. You'll be on a little like bit I more said, frequently. Like
0: have great guests, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's always there's always there's always ways I can squeeze you into the show. Don't worry. You'll, uh, this, this, uh, you'll be on probably again very, very soon. Um, this there's, there's some scheduling stuff. We'll probably have you fill in for a couple of spots. Um, but with that, guys, I'm going to get ready to round down the show. Um, it's been a good one. We've got a lot of topics, like I said. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, everyone, at home watching and listening uh, with us. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Facebook, YouTube, everywhere podcasts can be found. Subscribe to us, download, listen to us. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, we are there. You can find us. Guys, it is that time of the night. But before we go, I want to give each of you uh, your little soapbox to close out the show with closing remarks you may have or anything you want to promote. Scott, I'll let you go first.
2: Well, I think I've promoted it a ton, which is CigarAction.org already. Uh, But the other part, too, is... uh, for me, just wanna say thank you. I'll uh, throw a promotion in there for smoking tobacco. Um, I've talked about this quite a lot too, as far as the cigar media is concerned. Uh, it's incredibly important for for the industry as it continues to build community and to welcome in new consumers, to get to know the hobby, the, the, the passion that we all share, that we all love for this industry. Um, and so, and the other part too is for the consumers, anybody's listening, just you know, uh, find your local brick and mortar, support them. Find out interesting new cigars that, that they're going to have um, as well as pick their brains on some of their favorite cigars. But uh, really ultimately just you know, support those local brick and mortars and your local tobacconists um, uh, because that's a very important part for this industry. There's fewer and fewer and smaller and smaller places for us to be able to go and enjoy our favorite hobby. So by supporting those local establishments, we ensure that that stays alive and well with us. And uh, so, again, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. Nelson? yeah
0: well first matt and nicole thanks for having me on scott sincerely um i think i was trying to to tell you when i got cut off it's really great having you on and 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 especially for me because i've been if this makes any sense i've been nerding out on the legislative side of the cigar industry (laughs) that's Um, a good thing i'm just fascinated (laughs) Yeah, I'm just fascinated by it, and I'll tell anyone that'll listen. And so to have a, one of the leaders from one of the main organizations that that fight the fight, um, that was really cool for me tonight. So I sincerely appreciate your, your time this evening. Uh, and then just to close it out, follow me on Instagram, cigar underscore squad, cigar squad, cigar underscore squad on Instagram. See you guys out there. Stay smoky.
1: Alrighty, look at that little little shameless self self plug there at the end. No, I'm only kidding. That's totally cool, um, guys. Thanks for being with hey, us. You said
0: it was my soapbox.
1: It is. No, it was just it was just it was just a joke. I don't care what you do. It's it's your soapbox. You can do what you want with it. Um, you know.
2: Or is it his? Or I would say it's his smokebox, not his soapbox.
1: Oh, I
2: like that. I like that. That's Scott
1: Pierce. You know, he, he's a he's a, he's a shop there guy. He's a shop guy, you know. Keeping it smoky. (laughs) Guys, stay with me. Uh, Stay with me for the green room. To everyone else, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.